Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I think it goes without saying that I oppose mask mandates like I oppose vaccine mandates, like I oppose employers forcing vaccines on employees. I I oppose the concepts of force. I don't think this is surprising for anyone. That doesn't make me anti-vax. And that's where people who are uh, politically driven want to live and breathe. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, Tony Katz. Everything at TonyKatz.com. You can support the show there. Get the podcast. Do all the things. But I think it's really important that we focus on not only the, the, the rights of the people, to make decisions that others may disagree with, but the only way you can come to some level of decision is if you have a good understanding of the data. Data matters. Now, there's a politics to all the things that we see regarding COVID, and I don't disagree with this, but I leave those politics to individuals. When we're talking about data, I want to know, like you want to know, what is actually happening? That's the part that matters. What is it that we're dealing with? What is it that we're seeing? I wanted to know what was going on in Indianapolis. What is happening here regarding COVID with kids and why are hospitals filling up a subject that we're hearing not only here in Indy, but all across the country. Dr. Jennifer Barker joins me right now, double board certified in pediatrics and emergency medicine, the medical director of the emergency department at Ascension St. Vincent at Peyton Manning's Children's Children's Hospital and co-chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Ascension St. Vincent. Now, full disclosure, I have never met Dr. Barker before, but she spent an hour with me last night answering questions so I would be able to understand how to bring this conversation to all of us. And Dr. Barker, it's good to have you with us. We're discussing what's happening in hospitals and we're seeing hospitals fill up, but it's not simply COVID that is filling up hospitals. It is respiratory ailments. So I would like for you to take a minute to walk us through what it is you're seeing and specifically the differences that exist between those kids who may be coming in with the Delta variant of COVID and what is called RSV. Well, good morning, Tony. Thank you so much for for having me this morning. It is definitely a different environment in the hospital over the last couple months. We are seeing a uptick in our respiratory viral complaints, which, interestingly enough, for the previous 18 months had always been present, but definitely not in the numbers that we're currently seeing. Um, I would say that we are seeing kind of a bimodal um, distribution of respiratory complaints. We are seeing a group of younger kids that are typically probably five years and younger who are presenting with significant congestion, fever, runny nose, and they're testing positive for RSV, which is respiratory syncytial virus. It's a virus we typically see in the winter. So we typically see December, January, February months of the year. So it's atypical to see it this time of year. Uh, And we're seeing it, usually we'll see RSV create symptoms in 
kids who are two and younger, uh, and they present with cough, congestion, like I mentioned, fever. They often have respiratory distress because they're having a hard time managing all the secretions that they have. Um, The interesting thing this year is that we are seeing it in kids older than that as well with the respiratory complaints. For older kids or for adults that might get RSV, it just looks like the common cold with, with congestion and maybe some liver fever. So, what, we're, so what you're seeing, just uh, because we want to keep things moving, RSV is not something that is new or unique because of COVID. It's not new or unique because of masks. Rather, it's something that it does exist. There is a season for it. But you're just seeing more of those cases oddly in the summer. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, I, I pulled our hospital data, and before the end of May, we were not really seeing any RSV. You know, the, last week of May, we saw one case for the week, and now the first week of August, we have seen over 50 cases for the week. And part of the argument is, is that you have people who are getting out, they're seeing each other, as opposed to being in a lockdown mode, and so they're seeing each other, and these things could be spreading with a little more effectiveness. Absolutely. And I do think, too, that with this being the population that is under two, um, I do think that it is uh, interesting that probably more of them are being uh, in daycare settings than were during lockdown. There are more parents who are going back to work in person. Um, And so I do think that uh, we've got also a group of kids that for the last year and a half really have not had exposure to respiratory illnesses like they are now. Talking to Dr. Jennifer Barker, medical director of the emergency department at Ascension St. Vincent at Peyton Manning Children's Hospital. So this is an argument not that, oh, my gosh, what is happening? It's that you would have seen more of these cases spread out over more time if we weren't in, in lockdown. This isn't this isn't a pro or, or con to the lockdown conversation. That's much more a political conversation. But what it is giving you is this is taking up emergency room beds because when somebody says, hey, my child is having trouble be- breathing, the doctor doesn't say, well, bring them in or make an appointment. They say, go to the emergency room. In some cases, it is taking ICU beds, but the mass, the, the, the preponderance of what you're seeing are these RSV cases in terms of the those who need hospitalization and not specifically COVID, even though you are seeing an uptick of COVID in children. That is exactly right. We're seeing an uptick in the kids who are needing admission for RSV. And we are seeing an increase in the numbers of kids with COVID. At the same time, the kids with COVID, the a predominance of them are able to be able to go home with symptomatic care and following. Now, that's not to say that we don't have sick kids with, with COVID. At a point last week, our intensive care unit, 25% of the kids in our intensive care unit were kids with COVID. Um, so I, I think that it is predominantly RSV that is driving our admissions currently. Now, when we say 25%, if if I understand it right, 12 ICU beds, three of them are COVID. We're, we're not making an argument of discounting. We just want to make sure we understand the numbers of what you're seeing at Ascension St. Vincent. Yes, and you're, you're exactly right. So now let's get into what it is that we think we're seeing regarding uh, COVID. Is, is, is the Delta variant really that much more dangerous or may, let's start with contagious and dangerous, two separate things for children? So it is absolutely more contagious. And I think um, as far as dangerous, 
anytime you simply have more kids getting sick, there's going to be more of a demand on resources from a hospital or from a healthcare standpoint. And so some of what is, uh, I would put in the category of dangerous, is when you have uh, a healthcare system that's not able to take care of kids the way we would want to be just because of the volume. Uh, so that's part of the conversation is, is how many kids are getting sick. Now, as far as the Delta variant, I do think that we are seeing kids with more symptoms, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's more dangerous. See that, uh, that's the part that, that kind of gets people because then it's taken in, into the political of, okay, it's not more dangerous. Uh, uh, my kid's fine. And my kid's good. My kid's not going to have an issue. You and I, uh, in, in our conversation yesterday, if, if we were to dig into it this way, might have a disagreement on a, on a couple of things that, that kids can be doing or, or parents uh, can be doing regarding either, either uh, social distancing, masks, uh, vaccine, uh, these kinds of things. You did note, and I want to make sure that it's clear that certainly not all children are are eligible for vaccines, but the children you are seeing who are eligible, in your words, they are all unvaccinated, correct? The kids that are ending up in the hospital are unvaccinated kids, yes. Talk to me about what you think the future holds you you've taken a look at, at state data we see some states like alabama that seem to be past their peak there's a whole conversation about peak and covid uh, dr scott gottlieb formerly of the fda talking about delta being in in the rearview mirror the delta variant although there could be uh, 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 other variants uh where is indiana in terms of delta peak when you look at prediction models, uh, I think Dr. Scott Gottlieb might be talking about the United States as a whole. I do think that there is uh, regional variation depending on where you are uh, in the country. And I do think that Indiana is still on the upswing. When you look at some of our predictive models, it looks like we will not peak for another several weeks, maybe towards the end of September to the beginning of October. End of September. So that's that's. I mean, that's five weeks. You shared that number with me yesterday, and it kind of, it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit that we could still be seeing that kind of uptick. But are you expecting, in our hospitals, expecting that many more cases to fill up hospital beds on a short term or a long term basis? You know, with any predictive model, it's, it's never a hundred percent. But I will tell you that the hospitals across Central Indiana are generally quite full. Um, and they're not, they're certainly are, are COVID patients, um, but we're not near the number of COVID patients right now that we were late last fall or early um, 2021. Uh, but we are certainly back to planning uh, to how are we going to be able to deal with increased numbers should our numbers go up for another four to five to six weeks. Uh, the, the hospitals in the area are definitely planning for increased numbers. Uh, there are a uh, of- fair amount of these conversations i only hope we get to have uh in into the future on the subject and getting the data but i want to make sure we're we're being clear that when we talk about there's the conversation of covid and of delta there's the conversation of rsv and then there's the conversation of what's happening in your hospitals talk to me about how full your hospital and other hospitals in the area are and it's not just covid but from from this this mix of, of things that you're seeing Great question. So our hospitals have been running 
near our staffed capacity for several weeks. And it's interesting because it's there, this isn't just one hospital in the area. All of our hospitals are, um, I think, working hard to find the, the right people to uh, be able to work. And I, I'm going to be real honest, Tony, healthcare is, is tired, <laughs> uh, just like everyone is of, of COVID, of the pandemic. Um, but we do see, we are, we are seeing all of the other things, especially over the summer, uh, often our trauma numbers go up and it was interesting. There was a, a patient who was transferred um, from out of state to central Indiana last night as a trauma patient. And um, just because, again, I think there are other states that are also working to, to full capacity. And we do still have some capacity. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it is just much more. Uh, it's a daily question of where can our patients be? Where can they be safely? And how many of them um, do we have room for today? Last week, uh, our hospitals in central Indiana uh, the majority of them were on in a diversion status, which is where um, hospitals will go temporarily for a couple hours, sometimes sometimes up to a day, when they don't have capacity to take more patients so that we right. can manage the ones we've got and then continue to take more. And uh, that is something that's happened to multiple hospitals on a daily basis in our area. Dr. Jennifer Barker, Medical Director of the Emergency Department at Ascension St. Vincent Peyton Manning Children's Hospital, co-chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Ascension St. Vincent. I appreciate the time and the sharing of the information. Much more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Man, I am seeing people calling for Joe Biden to resign. President Trump called on Joe Biden uh, to resign over what's taking place in Afghanistan. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. You know, I I, I talked a lot about Afghanistan uh, today, and it's not that there's not more to get into. There there is much more to get into, and of course, our conversation of... uh, take. For for the amount that you can, just take the political out of it for a second and ask yourself, if indeed, if indeed this is how Joe Biden views it, if indeed this is what the President of the United States was left with just a month ago, is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Why? Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Taliban took the country in a month. They're in the palace. By the way, stories that people who are at Guantanamo are now with them at the palace. So, you know, that happened. But here, that's a, that's a month ago. So what level of failure is there? His failure to plan or a, a complete and total intel failure on what the Afghan military was capable of doing? Don't get me wrong. I won't listen to anybody tell me, oh, this, you know, Trump made this deal. Stop talking, you psychopath, lunatic, freak children. 
Trump also had a plan at the border. Biden didn't listen to that. Trump had plans here, there, and everywhere. Biden doesn't listen to any of it. But all of a sudden, because of Afghanistan, oh, you know, Trump made a deal. We had to go through with it. Stop it. You're just a lying... Not you. I don't want to say you. Just calm and serene, Tony. Think of puppies. That's right. Cute little puppies. Or guinea pigs eating carrots. Because guinea pigs are adorable. The people who believe that this is Trump's fault are lying freak children. Fools. Ignorant ignorant people unworthy of your love, your time, or your devotion. Just saying it as it is. Uh, I, 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 no quarter. Just, just, just cut these people down and get them out of their crazy. Speaking of crazy, Washington Times reporting that West Point is teaching Marxism. Three classes, according to the, to the story, being taught, um, discuss social inequality, military leadership, leading inclusive teams, and politics of race, gender, and sexual, sexuality and diversity. Let me say uh, for, for the record that Black Lives Matter should be nowhere near the U.S. military, nor should anything about social inequality or anything having to do with race and gender. They wear the uniform. That's who they are. They wear the uniform, they protect the nation, regardless of any of these things. So therefore, these things are not necessary to teach in, in these institutions. And the only reason to teach them is to break down the military. And this is why people were so upset with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Miley. Who, by the way, why does he have a job if he was saying that the Afghan military can handle things and it turns out, no, they can't. Why does he have a job? Fire him and take away his pension. But there is a real issue here with what is being taught, as, as we've discussed. A dangerous issue. The military exists to kill people and to break things, to defend the nation, and that's it. It is not a place to engage anybody's woke ideology. Let me take it a step further. I don't care about your woke ideology in the military. The other military members shouldn't care. You have one job. Handle it. I don't think you should treat people rudely. I don't think you should discriminate against people because of the color of their skin or because of their sex. I am saying that when you wear the uniform, you have one task and you are one group. And you're protecting the person next to you. Whether you like them or not doesn't matter. They put on the uniform, they get protected, and they protect you because they may not like you. What does the personal have to do with any of it? You know what? Maybe we need to separate ourselves from this and get into some other things that are out there. Like, what's really out there? Like, in the cosmos. All right, I'm going to dip my toe into the UFOs. Honestly, it's. I think they might be out there. I'm Tony Katz. So in Indianapolis, the Gun Crime Task Force is going beyond Indianapolis to track firearms. It's, a, it's an interesting, interesting conversation. And I haven't found anything that I'd be opposed to w- with, within it. The Indianapolis Crime Gun Intelligence Center 
will allow for a uniform approach in processing, collecting, and analyzing gun evidence through central Indiana. So it works with Boone, Hamilton, Hancock, Hendricks, Marion Morgan, Johnson, and Shelby counties. So basically, it's a way to share, hey, this this firearm was utilized in, in, in a crime or, or in, in, in some other type of issue. And then people would know about it in other places. So they can then see if a firearm is, is being used for multiple crimes, if something was, it was, was utilized illegally, etc. Well, if someone is engaged in criminal activity, I don't have a problem with this. It's when citizens are put into some kind of, 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 of database. Ah, oh, yeah. That's the issue. Yeah, I've got no, I've got no issue with conversation. I think that there's been a, a lot said about the lack of, of of talking, the lack of of sharing, and we shouldn't we shouldn't have that. We should be people who who um, focus on, on the conversations, focus on sharing data and information so i i mean someone could tell me why i would be opposed to this but i i don't i don't see a reason to be i don't mind the counties working together as a matter of fact i i only hope uh, that they would what i mind is when we use terminology like gun violence that's that's anti-gun nonsense i don't think we should be in favor of anti-gun nonsense. I think we should be in favor of lawful gun ownership. One man's theory. Facebook Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter Tony Katz. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.